0: Hey New City family, thank you for coming to listen to this week's message. This is AJ Farthing and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City. Our mission is to see Jesus change lives and reach the world. We want you to be a part of that movement by helping you grow as a disciple and encouraging you to share with others. So be sure to share this with someone you know to help encourage them. If you happen to live in the Tampa area, come check out our church on Sunday mornings at 920 or 11 a.m. You can find the information and other resources on our website, newcitytpa.com. I pray this message encourages and challenges you in your faith, and you take this message and share it with those in your life. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about today specifically and uh, just meditating on and just kind of thinking about today is I just, is really just being thankful for each of you. Uh, I'm just like so thankful for the Lord's kindness to our church and a lot so much of that has to do with the hearts and souls that sit in the seats in front of me and so I I just want you each to know that you're loved you're cared for um, that we deeply value each of you uh, and that we're thankful for you so you know today we enter into uh, Luke chapter 5 and we find a popular story where Jesus shows off his fishing skills and he tells a a few fishermen uh, who didn't catch anything the night before to go and cast their nets, to then fill their boats full of fish. And I've always appreciated this story because it has always felt very relatable to me uh, because, unfortunately, I know far too well what it feels like to not catch any fish uh, when I go fishing. Like, I, I really enjoy fishing. I'm just not good at it. I spent the first two years, uh, when we first moved here, doing a deep dive into all things saltwater, uh, Florida saltwater fishing, watching every YouTube video possible, trying to learn how to catch a fish so that I could eat the fish that I caught uh, out of the ocean. Um, like that was the goal, to eat what I caught. You know, I was uh, learning all about the different types of fish, where to fish, what type of bait to use, different ways to cast, different jig types. Um, I was even putting into practice in our little neighborhood pond, to try to get better, um, trying to learn all the different moon and tide cycles. I was following all the fishing trends. I was getting up at 5 a.m., driving about an hour to the beach, set up shop on the beach, fishing for a few hours just to catch absolutely nothing. Um, and still to this day, I have still never caught Uh, Eating what I've caught out of the deep blue Florida sea. I I even got to the point. I was just desperate, uh, realizing I needed a boat. But we wanted a place to buy a boat, so I bought a paddle, or I got a paddle board for Christmas one year. Uh, Started hunting for fish on a paddle board because I saw people on YouTube doing it. Seemed like a good idea. Um, Lots of fun, not very effective. Um, I even told a guy uh, about my struggles and my desire to catch a fish, to eat what I caught. He said he had a boat uh, that he had, he fished often. And he um, caught fish every single time. Um, he went and he knew all the best spots. He kept up with all the fishing trends. He knew it all. He even had one of those little fish finder thingamajigs. Uh, and I went fishing with him and we got totally skunked. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the first time ever he ever got skunked on his boat. Um, and, and y'all, I, I just found our story today uh, encouraging because these guys, in our story, they were professional fishermen and they too got skunked, uh, which makes me feel not so bad about my own fishing skills. And so yes, I do find this story Very personal, uh, very relatable, and dear to my heart, but I also have to say, as they say all of this, um, the reason this story is so great and personal are not because of my fishing woes. Um, As much as I uh, try to let this story make me feel better about my own, uh, how bad I am at fishing, um, we also have to say this is a great fishing story, but not because of fish. And also uh, the whole story, it ends with two boatloads full of fish, which is totally unrelatable to me. Um, But all that to say, the reason this story is so great is because in this fishing story, we see Jesus just totally alter a person's life. Like we're going to see Simon Peter go from an ordinary fisherman to being called by Jesus to be a fisher of men. And as we look at this story, uh, we're going to see that this is not just Simon Peter's call, but this is also our call, leading us to our main idea for today, and it's that God transforms us into fishers of men. And if you're new to the Bible, um, or maybe you've never heard this, I, I get it. This, this kind of idea can sound kind of funny. In fact, uh, when I read this to one of my kids this week, one of my kids found this hilarious, picturing this a little bit more literally and laughing at the idea of going out fishing uh, for people with a fishing pole. It is kind of a funny concept. I'm not a meme creator, but I think there's some, probably, there's some good memes that could be made out of this. Um, but I think we get what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus says we are to be fishers of men, what he means is he calls us to be people to go out and gather more people into the kingdom of God. It's a call towards evangelism. It's a call to share our faith with others. It's a call to bring those whom we love and those around us, it's a call to bring them to Jesus. And so today, as we get to the end of our time, my hope and prayer is that we would be lit on fire today with an evangelistic fervency that we would have an urgency towards the mission of God, and that we would be fervently praying for those that God has put in our life to become followers of Jesus. So that's where we're going today. But I also want to say that this story is more than this, just a story that propels us into building God's kingdom. Now, this is a story with many layers. It's a story of what God does in our hearts to make us fishers of men. Because whether you see yourself as a fisher of men or people or not, if you call Jesus Lord, and if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, this is one of the many things that Jesus is transforming you into. And so today, this is, this is how we're gonna use our time. I'm gonna work through the entire story first. We're gonna spend about seven or eight minutes kind of reading and telling parts of the story. And then on the back half of the, our time, I'm gonna we're gonna have four different layers, four different points with four different layers to this story um, that I think will help us make this deeply personal to each of us. And so let's go ahead and kind of wrap our heads around this story as we kind of work through this. Look at Luke chapter 5, starting in verses 1 to 3. This is what it says. On one occasion. okay? Jesus is by lake. He's teaching. It's getting a little crowded because, again, Jesus, he was a popular guy. I mean, he was known for being a great teacher. When he spoke, people listened. People wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And let's not forget, as we saw last week, he had also been healing and casting out demons. I mean, Jesus, he was pretty good at at drawing a crowd. And so here he is in this large crowd gathered by the lake for people to come and hear Jesus teach. And I'd also like to guess that maybe there were some people that wanted to maybe be healed by Jesus Um, and so I just imagine people trying to push in get closer to Jesus to hear him better just to uh, get a a better idea of what's being said and maybe to be healed in some way or maybe have a demon cast out I don't know like they didn't have um, these like fence companies that like we do to come in and barricade the the place for us to create a safe barrier and so it's kind of getting a little crowded and they're getting a little too close for comfort which I can say I I kind of appreciate that Jesus valued his personal space because me personally I don't love crowded spaces they're not my favorite Um, so Jesus he gets uh, his personal space he gets on a boat that he sees next to the water he gets on the boat and lets the water kind of be his barrier Uh, some have said maybe the the water helped kind of be a microphone I don't know uh, between him and the crowd while the fishermen are out cleaning their nets um, after a long night of fishing and catching nothing because look what it says next in, in verse four and five and we had finished speaking. He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word I will let down the nets. So after Jesus finishes teaching here, he sees Simon, uh, he, he sees the fisherman from the boat and says, hey, put out that net again. And I don't know the whole process for cleaning a net, but the scriptures tell us they were cleaning their nets, they were done fishing, they'd called it uh, quits. So all the seaweed, all the lake gunk, it was kind of off the net, and Jesus said, says, hey, put that net back out. Uh, and Simon's just like, Jesus, uh, and Simon, uh, we just finished uh, fishing all night long, and we caught absolutely nothing. Um, and we have to understand here, from a society standpoint, at this point, Jesus was seen as a great teacher. He had authority. And so Simon, he calls him master, showing that he respects Jesus. But from Simon's perspective, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm like the professional fisherman here. I mean, it would be like uh, me. Um, who doesn't have a fishing boat, maybe going down to Fort DeSoto, uh, teaching some, and then telling the fishermen down there how to fish and where to find fish. They'd be a little bit like, yeah, okay, thanks for the tip, bud, but I think we got this. Uh, We know what we're doing. But we see the respect that they have for Jesus, and they listen to what he says, and they put the net back out. And then look what happens in verse 6 and 7. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So I don't know about you, but this seems like maybe Jesus is showing off a bit. Um, They caught nothing all night long, and he says, put your net out again. They listen, uh, and they start to bring in fish after fish with nets that are bursting um, out of the seams. And so many fish, uh, their, their, their boat was sinking. And they had to call in a second boat and it got filled up also. And it says both boats began to sink. I mean, talk about a fishing story. Like what a moment. This is the moment in the fishing story. Maybe when you take out your phone and start filming because you know what you're, what you're filming here is about to go viral. But we have to understand that no, Jesus, he was not showing off. No, he was teaching in this moment. New City, when Jesus taught, he didn't just teach with his words, but he often showed a picture of what he was trying to teach. Jesus, he wasn't just explaining the Bible in his teaching with his words. No, in this moment, Jesus, he was illustrating something. Jesus was painting a picture to his disciples. And what I find fascinating about this story is that Jesus is doing multiple things at the same time. And this is, because this is not just a fishing story, but this is a personal story. This is Simon's story. and This is also our story. Again, with Jesus, there's always multiple layers to his teaching. And so it's not just a fishing story to show off his power. No, this is Simon Peter's transformation story. This is Simon's calling. It's a Simon story that puts him into a new direction because look what happens next in verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, "Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord." And I want you to notice something here because at first Luke, the writer here, he calls him Simon, but now Luke has called him Simon Peter. And as the reader, this should pique our our interest. This should tell us something, like something has happened. Something is happening. Because not only is he called Simon Peter, but it says he fell down at Jesus' knees after this overwhelming provision of fish that were caught right before his eyes. Like This was out of the ordinary. This was not a normal fishing trip. And Simon, he was starting to realize that Jesus was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a master, as he called him prior. No, he's realizing Jesus is Lord. Simon Peter is realizing Jesus is the presence of God on earth. And he, he, just as, he, he says, just as Isaiah said, when he saw God in Isaiah chapter 6 in the Old Testament, Simon Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When Peter realized he was in God's presence, he became overwhelmed by his sin. He also was overwhelmed by Jesus' holiness. And as we'll see it say, he was astonished, he was amazed, uh, he was speechless. Look what it says in verse 9 and 10. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So it wasn't just Simon that was uh, astonished, but so were James and John. Peter, James, and John were uh, all kind of like, what is happening here? What's going on? Who is this guy? And look at how our story ends. So at the second half of verse 10 and into 11. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him." Again, this story is more than a fishing story because Jesus tells Simon, who is now Simon Peter, a fisherman, he says, to not fear. From now on, he will be fishing for men. And then it says at the very end that they left everything and followed Jesus. Again, multiple layers here, there are several things happening, and all of it's leading us to see our big idea that Jesus is transforming us to be fishers of men. Every follower of Jesus has this calling on our life. But we also can't miss how we get there, because we have to understand that God's heart is not to force us to do kingdom work. Like, we don't serve a God that sits up on the throne and says, you're going to do what I say, now get to work. No, that's not how this works. No, just like we see with Simon Peter, God does a work in his heart as a means for kingdom work to be a delight and not a duty. Because we have to see that for Simon Peter to leave everything, their boats, their nets, their livelihood, and to follow Jesus, something major had to happen. God had to captivate them before he called them. And as we as we go back through the story, kind of layer by layer, seeing these four different points um, that Jesus uh, seeing Jesus uh, seeing highlighting Jesus and Simon Peter transformation and calling to become a fisherman of men, um, we're going to we're going to kind of see all the layers here. I the first layer I want us to see is that number one, <coughs> Jesus is worthy to follow as Lord with everything we see in this story. We see at the end that Peter, James and John, they left everything and they followed Jesus. But before they left their livelihood, which was all their fishing stuff, their boats, their nets, let's also not forget, they just left the biggest catch of their entire career. Like they just caught two boatloads full of fish. This would have been a pretty nice payday for them. They left everything they knew, everything that was safe and comfortable. They left everything that was reliable and what provided for their life to follow Jesus. And I think at the very least, we have to ask, Why? Like, what is it about Jesus that made them leave everything and follow him? I mean, it would be like uh, being offered your dream job that you spent your entire life chasing after, uh, studying for, and then getting it, and then saying, no, Jesus is better than that. Jesus is better than everything I've ever known or longed for, which again, leads us to say, well, what is it about Jesus that would cause us to call someone to do this? And what we would have to say about this is that Jesus, uh, again, our point, is worthy to follow as Lord. Jesus as Lord is worth leaving everything to follow him. And I want to talk about what I mean by this and why I use this language because we see that Peter, again, he, he starts out calling Jesus master as a way of respect, but then he moves to calling him Lord as a way of worship. He moved from respecting Jesus to worshiping Jesus. And there was something that happened in this entire encounter that moved Simon Peter to leave everything to follow Jesus. And so again, what happened? And what we have to notice is that Jesus showed himself as worthy to follow. He showed himself as Lord. He showed himself, he showed off his power. He showed his goodness. And what I want us to to think about, I want us to think about this because right out of the gate in our story, we immediately see that Jesus, again, he was well-respected. He was a good teacher. People loved him. They came to hear him speak and teach God's word. And Simon was kind enough to let Jesus use his boat. So at the very least, he trusted Jesus to let at a relational level, to let Jesus teach out of his boat. And we also know they respected Jesus as rabbi and leader because he told them to put their nets back out after an entire night of fishing and catching uh, nothing. And so at the very least, out of respect, they did what he asked. So yes, they respected Jesus. They admired Jesus, but we must see here that it's one thing to respect Jesus and it's an entirely different thing to give up your entire life and follow Jesus as Lord. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, respecting and admiring Jesus, that's a good and noble thing. In fact, most of the world respects Jesus and appreciates Jesus' teachings. Like this is the standard position of almost every world religion. And I referenced this book last year, I mean last week, but I want to reference it again because John Mark Comer in his book, Practicing the Way, he gives a statistic about uh, this that I find fascinating. he said that 68% of Americans identify as Christians, which for what we're saying here, that would mean that 68%, two out of three people we interact with would respect Jesus. Uh, and then he goes on to say that only 4% of Americans are actually serious about their faith. who who, who we would say, who he would say are seriously following Jesus. And so what we see in our encounter with Simon Peter and Jesus today is highly significant because something transformed Simon Peter from seeing Jesus as a respected rabbi to a God he is to worship and follow and obey. And from our text, what moved Simon Peter to follow Jesus was seeing a work of God. It was encountering, encountering the power of God and the goodness of God. Simon Peter, very simply put, he encountered Jesus in an entirely new way. He saw Jesus as provider, as powerful. He encountered Jesus doing something divine. And maybe we hear about them catching all these fish, two boats full of fish. Um, maybe for the skeptic and maybe we're not real impressed by it because we see this happen on TV on those fishing shows, um, seeing profis- professional fishermen bringing in large nets full of fish. But we have to understand here that Peter, he was a professional fisherman and everything from his professional f- fishing uh, experience said to call it a day. Like this was, they, they weren't there. But yet somehow, Jesus, who was focused on teaching during this moment, he simply says, just cast your net, and then they catch fish. And that encounter totally amazed the professional fisherman, Simon Peter. It wasn't the healing, it wasn't the teaching, no, it was the power of God put on display to him. And yet Simon Peter witnessed visibly, with his own two eyes, Jesus do an awe-inspiring work. And no, maybe, maybe we don't see something like this in our day but we honestly don't have to. Because what Simon Peter witnessed was the power of God. And the way in which we today see the power of God most visibly put on display for us is through a changed life. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through God's people. Uh, it's taking from people who are far from God and bringing them near and seeing a total life transformation. In New City, the work of the Holy Spirit was confirmed through Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Again, us today, yes, we pray for miracles and we believe that God can do mighty works in our, in front of our, our two eyes, but following Jesus as Lord is not dependent on what God does, but rather on what he's already done the confirmation of our faith that shows that jesus is worthy to follow is the fact that jesus lived died on the cross and rose from the dead it says when we believe in him our sins are paid in full and we're forgiven we're free that's the gospel the power of god that moves us to follow jesus as lord is found in the resurrecting power of jesus It says today in christ we get a whole new brand new start And when we encounter God through prayer and through the word and in community, God begins to do a work in us and to transform us. And so my question today out of this first point is simple. Do you simply respect Jesus or is Jesus the Lord of your life who is worthy to leave everything and to follow him? And I have no doubt that if Jesus is Lord, who is worthy to follow, we'll see what happened, we'll see happen with us, just like we see happen with Simon Peter. God will change us and he will transform us. You all life change, it doesn't happen through giving Jesus respect. It comes from being in awe of him and worshiping him and following and obeying him. Which leads us to our second point. Again, yes, Jesus is worthy to follow as Lord, but then number two, Jesus calls us to follow him. Because again, it's one thing to know that Jesus is worthy to follow, uh, but it's another thing to actually follow him. Again, they left everything and followed Jesus, but th- they left the biggest catch of their entire life. I-, I don't know what they did with all the fish. I guess they just left it in the boat and walked away from it and followed Jesus. And why? Because they didn't just uh, say Jesus was, was Lord, but they believed it. And they, they, f- they lived their life following, like, following him, and they, be- they believed what they said they realized what Jesus had to offer was far greater than anything the world has to offer. Again, it's one thing to respect Jesus, but it's an entirely different thing to sacrificially follow Jesus as Lord of our life. And I want you to notice they followed him after he said that he would make them fishers of men. Like God's mission and grand purpose, it was starting to come to fruition here. And the very first thing they did was simply to follow the way of Jesus. Like their first step in the grand mission of God was to put away their old life and to follow Jesus into the new life. And if you've never done that, if you've never trusted in Christ, I wanna offer that to you today. You can begin following Jesus today because when we talk about building the kingdom of God and being fishers of men and gathering people into the kingdom like we're gonna talk about today, yes, this is all of what part, a part of what God calls us to, but the order of this is so important because if we're trying to build God's kingdom but not follow Jesus and not feasting on God's word and spending time with Jesus and living in community with other believers, our life is out of order because the mission of God begins with following Jesus becoming a fisher of men starts with ourselves first worshiping God like it's really hard to call others to delight and worship Jesus and follow Jesus when we ourselves are not worshiping and delighting in Jesus our first prayer every day as followers of Jesus should be God should not be God what can I do for you but rather it's to say God I'm just here to worship you Because when we come to Jesus every day through prayer in the word and feast on God's goodness, being transformed by God's word, like we talked about last week and seeking to follow Jesus, when we do that, the resulting fruit, the byproduct, is wanting others around us to see the same thing. Like evangelism and sharing the gospel, it's not not supposed to be this dutiful response of something we're forcefully commanded to do. No, being a fisher of men, it comes when we delight in Jesus, see the goodness of God, and just regularly and daily remember how good God is, and then just try to show others the goodness we ourselves have seen and benefited from. And yes, evangelism, it is absolutely a spiritual discipline. It is something that we're called to do. It's a discipline for us to foster, but it's also not intended to be an obligation, but rather an act of worship. Seeking to advance the kingdom is just a byproduct of following Jesus, which tells us step one in building God's kingdom and becoming a fisher of men and women is not to share the gospel. No, step one is always to worship Jesus and follow Jesus, which leads us to our third layer in the text, number three, seeing Jesus works in us and through us. Again, God wanted to do a work in Simon Peter's life, and he also wanted to do a work through him and see him become a fisher of men. But before God called Simon to follow him, before he gave him a task and purpose, Simon Peter had to first see Jesus as Lord. Before God used Simon Peter, he had to first begin to transform him. And I want to be clear that yes, God can use us at any time and in any way, at any place. And yes, our life, it is an ongoing surrender to Jesus. The Christian life is a day after day re-surrendering our life uh, to the Lord over and over again. But I do want you to notice that Jesus wanted Simon Peter to see him as Lord and he wanted to, him to be astonished by Jesus and to follow him before he made him a fisher of men. And the reason I bring this up is because I know how uh, easy it is to want a divine mission and a God-given purpose for our day and for our work and for our family, but when Jesus doesn't first give us, like he doesn't first give us a God-ordained task to do, but he's, what, he's, what he's saying is that he first gives us a God to worship and to follow and obey. He tells us to follow Jesus so that we can become like him. And again, the reason I bring this up is because I also know as followers of Jesus today, like we can love the mission of God. We can love the idea of building God's kingdom and advancing the gospel and seeing the law saved and seeing people baptized and coming to Jesus. Like this is the stuff that gets us excited and we get fired up about this, and we should. There's something incredibly special and powerful of a life being changed by the power of the gospel. Like the, the, the scriptures tell us that the angels rejoice in heaven when people profess faith in Jesus. But the hard reality that I think is easy for us to forget, is that in order for that to happen, God often first has to do do a work in our own heart. Yes, it's fun to see other people live on mission and share the gospel and to see baptisms, but we also kind of know living on mission and sharing the gospel and being fishers of men, like Jesus tells his disciples, it can also mean that we may have a few long, toilsome nights where maybe it feels like nothing is happening. Just like the guys fishing in our story experienced, in in real fishing. New City, being a fisher of men and women and building God's kingdom, it's not a cakewalk. No, it's a sacrifice. It can be toil and challenging. And in order for us to be prepared for the labor of being fishers of men, God often has to do a work in us to prepare us for the task before us. And honestly, the reality is God never stops working in us. It's a lifelong process but what we also know to be true is that if God is going to make us kingdom builders that go out and gather lost people into the kingdom of God by proclaiming the gospel and seeing the lost saved, it's going to happen by us regularly encountering Jesus and worshiping Jesus and then God also pruning us and putting us through challenges and purifying our hearts and lives and us going through the process of becoming more like Jesus. I mean, just think, think about this. If Simon Peter had caught a bunch of fish the night before Jesus taught, and he didn't go through the challenge of getting skunked and fishing, not catching a thing, toiling all night long, I don't wanna to speak too much for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if what Jesus did just didn't have the same effect. I mean, just think, if Simon Peter just caught a bunch of fish and filled up his boat, and Jesus said, go cast your net and fill up his boat some more, I th- like to think that maybe Simon Peter would've maybe been unimpressed kind of like yeah I just did that also but the fact that he went through an entire night of struggle and toil it made those two boatloads of fish an awe-inspiring event it sent him falling down to his knees in worship and all new city we can't lose sight of the beauty of the struggles that we face in building God's kingdom and believe me I know it is a lot easier to say that when you're not in the struggle (laughs) because when you're in the struggle, it is just awful, it's terrible, it's toil, it's painful, it's not fun. But when we're going through the refiner's fire, there is something incredibly special that God is doing in those moments that are preparing us for the next kingdom assignment. The struggles and the troubles that we face in kingdom ministry is part of the labor and part of the hardship that produces sweet kingdom fruit. Like when you have a friend or a family member, maybe a coworker, maybe that you've been praying for and investing in and having hard conversations with and and trying to encourage and build up and sharing your faith with, sharing the gospel with them for months or years, like that's a labor of love that at times can be a struggle. But those struggles and frustrations, God uses those for good to help us become more like him, like Jesus. In New City, I have so much confidence in saying that evangelism and advancing God's kingdom is just as much for our life as it is those that we're ministering to. Like if we never stepped out in faith and share our faith or seek to live on mission and advance the gospel, we are missing an incredible benefit that is produced in us. Like, without a doubt, when I look at all of my greatest personal seasons of growth as a follower of Jesus, most of them are tied to advancing the gospel and seeking to build God's kingdom in some sort of way. In church, God's plan for our life is not to be on the sidelines of the kingdom of God and observe, but to get into the game and to be fishers of men and to advance the kingdom of God. But in order, to get for, us, in order for us to get off the sidelines, God has to do a work in our lives. And I don't know what this looks like for each of our lives because everybody's life is different. And, and we need wisdom in every single circumstance and situation. But maybe... Maybe we have to say no to, to a good thing so we can invest more in a person's life who doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe it's the exact opposite in your life. Maybe you know a lot of people who need Jesus, or maybe they're bringing you down, and maybe they're not encouraging you. And possibly this is a season of life where you need a deeper community of believers to help you follow Jesus. I mean, whatever it is. What I know to be true is that when we're building God's kingdom, it's going to come with labor and sacrifice and toil and struggle. That is part of God's means for changing and shaping us. He's deepening our roots and he's building our character as we're building God's kingdom. And again, I I get it. Like, Like if you're in the middle of just pure pain and toil and toil me telling you there will be great fruit on the back end yes it can be helpful and it is hopeful and we need to be reminded of that but oftentimes in those struggles in the middle of all of it we just need a friend to listen to us and say yeah this isn't fun like i'm by your side i'm here i'm with you and i love you and i don't know why this is happening but i'm here to follow jesus with you and we're in this together but all that to say Let me just ask the question. If the people that we're wanting to follow Jesus, what if God wants to do a work in us first in order to get the gospel to them? I'm just saying God's plan is to reach your neighbor is to see your coworker and your classmates come to Christ. But in order for that to happen, God may need to do a work in our heart in my heart in order to change us, to get the gospel to them. Maybe it's overcoming fear. It says, fear not, for I'm going to make you fishers of men. I mean, y'all believe me. I know sometimes it's just a lot easier to not engage and to keep to ourselves. It's often a lot easier to not initiate and to uh, invest in more relationships. It often feels safer to not pursue new friendships with lost people because of the danger of being rejected or maybe the danger of feeling uncomfortable and getting out of our comfort zone. Y'all, these are the types of sacrifices it takes to see the lost saved and the kingdom built. We have to wrestle with this because, the, because proclaiming the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God, it's not optional as a follower of Jesus. But the catch 22 of this at, at the exact same time, it's also not intended to be done out of duty or obligation, which again, why our first two points for today uh, of being a, a, a worshiper and a follower of Jesus are vastly important. And when our hearts are lit on fire for Jesus through worship and we're simply walking with Jesus and following him, when that is first, uh, the reality of half the world living and dying without hearing the the name of Jesus, it then becomes a God-given calling to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. When we're overwhelmed by the love and grace of God, the overflowing response is to want others to know the same love and grace so that we can become eager to share with our lost neighbors and friends and coworkers. I mean, when we think about how good God has been to us personally and and we're moved to worship out of his word and thinking about the hope and peace that we personally find in Jesus, like figuring out ways to reach the three million people in the Tampa Bay area or 50,000 college students and uh, USF and all the young professionals that are flocking here trying to figure out their life and then all the families and empty nesters. Uh, When we're living a life of worship, when we're living a life uh, full speed ahead for Jesus and all of God's goodness, then living on mission towards this end, it's invigorating, it's exciting, and it makes every hardship and sacrifice that it will take seem like just a small annoyance in God's grand rescue mission. I mean, just think most of the people that we interact with don't understand that doing good works is not how we get into the kingdom of God. That's not what makes us a Christian doing more good than bad. That's not, that's not how it works. Attending church, reading our Bibles, praying, serving, attending groups. None of that gets us into the into the kingdom of God. That's not what makes us Christians. The only thing that will get us into the kingdom of God is believing in Jesus, and that's it. It's when we proclaim the life to death and the resurrection of Jesus, and we believe uh, that it is true and decide to follow Jesus. That's what gets people into the kingdom of God. That this is our mission and message that God has given us to proclaim. And church, this leads us to our last point, number four. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And I get it. I get it. When we talk about evangelism, it can often seem scary. And if you're new here, or maybe just a skeptic to Christianity, I mean, this can seem maybe like an icky sales strategy. And please hear me, it's not. You have to understand, if we believe that we have life-changing news that has totally altered our life for the good, why would we not want others to know about it? In fact, maybe we would say it it might even seem like uh, it might be mean to not tell anybody. But for the Christian in the room, I think it's easy to think of evangelism being maybe best suited for the entrepreneurial type, maybe thinking of uh, door-to-door evangelism or engaging with just total strangers. And yes, that type of evangelism, sharing the gospel with total strangers, it's good, it's needed. We should do it because it pushes us towards boldness and it's a good way to get the gospel to a bunch of people. But we also have to understand that there are multiple ways to do evangelism and to fish for men as Jesus calls us to do. And, and one of the best and most effective ways to be fishers of men are simply just through our already established relationships, personal relationships, our family, friends, coworkers. It's the people we've built trust with and established relationships with. I mean, if we just look at the landscape of our church and the 33 people that we've baptized over the past four years, a vast majority of them have come through family, friendships, and personal relationships. And a lot of them have happened just through a simple invitation to church and getting plugged into the life of our church and building relationships with people. Y'all, inviting people to join us here on Sundays is one of the most effective ways and tools in our cultural context context to get them to a place to hear about Jesus. I mean, one of the reasons we have moved to two services is to create more space for more people. And again, every time, every Sunday, we see an open seat. That is a reminder to invite a friend. Could we all fit into one service? Most Sundays, yes. Some Sundays, it would be kinda tight. But because we wanna expand our net to reach more people, we've created space for every person to be able to invite a friend. Yo, a simple invitation could change a person's life. Let me just think, what could happen if every week, every person extended one simple invitation to church? Yo, it only takes one invitation for them to hear the gospel and to be saved. But again, there's so many ways for us to be fishers of men. Now oh, I know a bunch of people who have come to Christ through people inviting them to church. I know many who've, who've, who heard the gospel from a total stranger and, and, shared, and they, they were saved. And I also know there are a lot of people like me who came to Christ through someone spending hours and hours with me and showing Christ and explaining the gospel to me about a 100 times over a two year period. And, and, you know, I personally lean towards just relational evangelism, inviting people to church because I just, I honestly just think it's more effective in our cultural context. But do you know when I'm the most effective in my own personal and relational evangelism? That's when I'm regularly in a reoccurring disciplined rhythm of going out on campus or at the ball field or in my neighborhood or at the grocery store with the intention of just telling someone about Jesus. When I personally am praying every day for gospel opportunities and to not let me go through the day without sharing the gospel and telling someone about Jesus, even if it's a total stranger, when I'm doing that, you know where I tend to be the most effective and have the most opportunities? It's with the people I already know. It's with the people I have established relationships with. I mean, again, just dream with me. You know, there are well over 200 people that regularly attend New City Church. And we have over 100 people in city groups that meet throughout the week. I mean, what could God do if over 200 people are praying the simple prayer every single day, praying, God, just give me an opportunity to tell someone today about Jesus. God, give me an opportunity to share with someone, anyone, about the goodness of God that is found in Christ. I mean, what could it look like if we each prayed that prayer every day, maybe just for the month of February, or maybe even just this week? Again, just dream with me. What could happen if we each got into a weekly rhythm, maybe every single Saturday praying, God, who would you want me to invite to church? You see, the message of Jesus is the message of hope and healing and freedom. And we are called to cast our nets wide and see people brought into God's kingdom to find this hope and healing, to find the peace that comes with Jesus. This is kingdom building. We invite people into the hope that we find in Jesus's kingdom. But what we can't miss when we're out fishing for men is that we don't just tell people to get into the boat. We don't just cast our nets to see them give their life to Jesus and then move on to the next. No, the call for everyone is to not just accept Jesus, but to follow Jesus. This is true for the brand new Christian and this is also true for the person who's been walking with Jesus for over 50 years. Y'all, call today and every day is not first to be fishers of men. No, our first call is to follow Jesus. It's to simply come to Jesus, to come to his word, come to him and, and listen in prayer and just simply say, God, here I am. Jesus, help me follow you today. And I can't help but think about this story. And just pray for the day not when we have two b- boats full of fish, but rather two baptism, or baptism tanks just filled with people lined up on both sides of the room, just lined up out the door waiting to be baptized because they've all decided to follow Jesus. You know, I've seen this several times in my life, and I can't help but long just to see it again and again and again and again. New City, this is our call. This is what we pray for. We're to be fishers of men. And I can't help but think that in the process, God is transforming each of us to help help see this happen. Let's pray. God, I don't know how you're working. I don't know how you're moving in the hearts of the people that are in this room. But God, I know that the Holy Spirit is living and active. God, I know uh, that you have called us each to follow you, to hand over our life as Lord. God, we pray that we wouldn't just respect you as a nice teacher, but we would see you as the only God to follow in worship. God, we pray that you would continue to transform us, and we just pray that you would do a mighty work in our day. If there's anyone here who's never given their life to Jesus, I pray that today they would give their life to Jesus and that they would tell someone and they would begin to follow Jesus. We ask for your help. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.